new drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. I was watching the clock run down, and I was thinking to myself, that was the most dominant, best team game performance I've ever seen in my lifetime. From start of the game to the finish, discipline. They did everything that you could possibly do to make it a perfect performance. Tampa Bay's got a lot of problems to solve. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Terry is in Tampa right now, getting ready to head over to the stadium to watch game three. Time now for the lead. The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. So the sound you heard is from Mark Messier, a guy who won six Stanley Cup titles, five with the Oilers, and oh, by the way, oh, by the way, people forget this, he has won two titles without Wayne Gretzky, and Gretzky has won none without him. And we don't have to go into a conversation about that. But having that comment come from Mark Messier, is that as weighty of a comment as you can remember that you have ever heard for all the years you've been covering the NHL? If I could sit down and talk with him here in Tampa, I would ask him if this at all reminds me of him of the 1984 Oilers who... Uh, won the Stanley Cup for the for the first time in what turned out to be five titles in seven years. Uh, the last one, as you noted, was after Wayne Gretzky had been traded. And I would like to ask him, do, do you recognize any common commonalities between the 84 Oilers on the verge of a, dyna- a dynasty and the Avalanche on the verge of winning this 2002 Stanley Cup or the Stanley Cup in 2002 and perhaps whether they're capable of this just being a start of a dynasty. It sounds like he believes it might be. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens during the offseason. We talked about it in the last hour. All of the guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents, Kale McCarr's going to want a new deal, and he is going to be – it would not surprise me if Kale McCarr becomes the highest-paid player in hockey when he gets his new deal. Well, well, and Nathan McKinnon is in a situation now where he can start talking about an yep. extension after, this play, after the playoffs are done. And so he has one more year left on his deal – but, he, but the Avalanche will be intent on signing him to an extension. And he, he I wouldn't call it a hometown yep, discount. I was but, just going to go think, there. But I really think he is. he would want to stay and would take less than he could get on the open market. Uh, I don't know how sizable that mark, how sizable that hometown discount would be, but he's shown in the past, and he didn't ground. This is a really neat thing. It was it's locked in in the in the uh, collective bargaining agreement, so it's really not an issue. But he never really moped or griped or complained about the fact that he's been the most underpaid player in professional sports the last few years. I'm glad you brought that up. We'll have more time to talk about this once the the finals are over. He has given the Avalanche a discount. I don't think he's going to be doing it this time around. Uh, I don't think I don't think he holds the Avalanche responsible necessarily for the no. system that that locked them in. To a six-year, to honoring his six-year deal, we kept hearing people say, "Well, they've got to renegotiate Nathan McKinnon's contract." Well, they can't renegotiate Nathan McKinnon's contract, and it was ridiculous to even suggest it. So, I think Nathan McKinnon recognized that's just the reality of the sport. As teammate after teammate surpassed him in salary, he's not 
even close to the highest salaried Avalanche player. Mikko Rantanen makes a lot more. Uh, Landeskog makes a lot more. You know who and he so, is? You know who he is? He's Tom Brady. He's a guy yeah. who doesn't have to be the highest paid guy on the team because he knows and believes that they have enough talent to win a championship. I don't think he's going to go Ryan O'Reilly and want no. every single penny, but he's going to want to easily <laughs> be paid the highest guy. He's going to want to be the highest paid guy in the team, and I think, well, you, he's, I think he's going to want to be a top five highest paid guy in the NHL. You know why I'm laughing? Because Ryan O'Reilly, we, we just belittled and exoriated Ryan O'Reilly for being so focused on the uh, money, the, intang- the intangibles that he brought to a team. But he did. And, then lead- and, that- and the money. And, he- and we were laughing at him. He I wasn't. He wanted-, he wanted seven years, $52.5 million. Right. You know- and you know what the funny thing was? The Buffalo Sabres gave it to him. Right. And then he turned out to be a guy who was worth every penny of it when he went to the St. Louis Blues and captained their cup team. Let's he's, talk- the ultra- he's the ultra role player in that sense. He is. All right, Andre Vasilevsky did not show up to practice today. I don't think anybody should be saying, ooh, is he not going to play? Terry and I, you talked about it at the top of the show. He is probably going to play. The question mark is with No, he's probably not going to play. I don't think he's going to play. He was on his way from from Colorado to here for the to join the team, but I don't think he's going to play. I'm talking about Vasilevsky. Yeah, right. Vasile- oh, Vasilevsky, I'm sorry. I, I was yeah. talking about Burakovsky. I thought you were, I was, I thought you were making another joke. Oh, no. Yeah, because no, that sorry. one really fell flat. No. Uh, so Vasile- Burakovsky, Burakovsky, right. Vasilevsky has been has been, several times. In, his pattern is to not always take the morning skate, and the excitement rate level raised when he wasn't out there was false. You're you're yeah, get, yeah. you're getting your your skis or your skies yeah, all mixed I'm up, sorry. which is I'm leading me to believe you've had too much sky vodka. But I digress. No, I'm looking at my nose. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, Braden Point, I think he's going to be iffy to play. Uh, he did not practice today. Landeskog did not practice, but he takes a lot of maintenance days. Burakovsky, to your point, that ski likely will not play. Kadri uh, skated with the healthy scratches and extras, but we don't expect him to play tonight. So now that we've gotten all that stuff out of the way, we know the Lightning have a history of coming back. We saw it in this year's playoffs. They were down 3-2 to the Maple Leafs. They were down 2-zip to the Rangers. How different does this feel to you, though, in this series? Short term and in in terms of immediacy, it feels very, very, very different. But it all can change tonight. Well, we could be looking back at the end of the night saying we didn't give them enough credit for resilience, their proven resilience, their proven ability to, to come back and the series is on. And I really think that's what that's what is going to happen. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning will have uh, will rebound tonight in front of the home crowd and at least make it an entertaining series. Well, it'd be an entertaining series if the Avalanche continued on the the on the, the course that they've embarked on and so dominating the series. But in terms of competitiveness, uh, it, it has it would become a better series. You know, it's funny. You, the, the, the Avs remind me, at least in this, and I, another analogy here, another analogy here, and I'm going to make a boxing analogy to Sugar Ray Leonard. Did you ever cover his fights? But you certainly remember him, right? Yes, I did. I covered his fight against Hagler. I, fight, I covered his fight against oh, Donnie perfect. LeBond. Perfect. I covered his fight. I covered both his fights against hers. Okay, so now I'm going to use the Hagler-Leonard fight as my example. And you remember that because you were ringside, and I'm a huge boxing fan. With that, for those that don't know about that fight, Hagler, for the opening two and a half minutes of every single round, would stalk and hit and beat up Sugar Ray Leonard. 
That's what he would do. And then Leonard even said after the fight, my goal was to put on a show over the final 45 to 30 seconds of the round to convince the judges to give me the points on the scorecard. I wanted to finish with a flurry. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is, is that I know how good Tampa is, but I don't know if they can skate with the Avs for 60 minutes. And I look back to the game. I think it was the clinching game against the Oilers. Was it the clinching game against the Oilers or maybe the Blues in which the Avalanche looked awful for two Mm -hmm. periods? They were awful awful couldn't connect tape to tape on passes they couldn't get into the neutral zone and suddenly they kicked it into another gear in the third period and boom it was like secretary to belmont and it was over i think sugar ray leonard even acknowledged that he could try to steal rounds in the final 15 seconds that's what i'm saying against no i'm saying even it could even be 15 15 seconds instead of 30 or 45 right and he acknowledged that later and he stole he literally stole rounds in those in the last minute, depending on the length of that flurry in the last minute. So, and Hagler was, so, Hagler was so disgusted, he right, retired. Right. So it's not as if the Avalanche are stealing periods. It's not as if they're stealing no. this game. I'm saying that they can turn it on like a light switch, generally speaking, when they need to, to just do enough to win. And that's, I believe, what we was that the Edmonton game, game four? in which they were awful in the opening two periods? I believe so, yeah. And yeah. The, the other thing about the Avalanche is that in January, when they hit the really hot streak at home, they would play awful for much of the game and then pull it out. Right. And I think it was a little bit of a harbinger for what we're seeing now. You know who else used to do that all the time? In the later years, the Chicago Bulls. They would let mm-hmm. teams, ha- and I'm talking about in the playoffs, let teams yeah. hang around and suddenly, like a light switch, like secretary at the Belmont, like Sugar Ray Leonard in the final 30 seconds, Boom, like flash paper, it was over. Coming up after the break, you're going to probably see this guy in the press box tonight. Mike Chambers has your old job. The Avalanche beat writer for the Denver Post will join us next. School's out and the night's rolling, man. Just like the long-lost friend you ain't seen in a while. You can't help but smile. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us, MyLifeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, Go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, if you are planning on watching the Avs game tonight, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, head on over to Windfall Brewing Company in the Orchard Town Center. They are now an Avs bar up in Westminster, and you're going to love going there because last I heard, for every Avs goal, they're giving away a kamikaze shot, which means when you watch the game on Saturday, you better have taken an Uber home because the Avs are scoring a lot in this series like they have throughout the entire playoffs, but it's more than just free kamikaze shots. Their head chef, their executive chef, used to be the sous chef at Shanahan's. So that should just tell you how great the food is. And, oh, by the way, yeah, they're a brewery. They have a 
craft brews on tap. And when it's intermission during the game, they have 23 pinball machines, Pac-Man, Golden Tee, all of your favorite old-time arcade games. Get to Westminster. Make it a day or night at Windfall Brewing Company. Time now for the buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. Well, as you already know, Terry Fry is down in Tampa covering the avalanche against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mike Chambers is down there as well. And for the first time in my 13-year radio career, I am talking to two guys, one who used to cover the avalanche for the Denver Post, and now a guy who currently covers the avalanche for the Denver Post, Mike Chambers. How are you, Mike? Hey, Eric. I'm doing real good, and that's and that's a great intro because it, it gives me an opportunity to say that my time working the avalanche beat with Terry Fry was was unquestionably the best time I, I have had on the beat. Hey, Eric, Mike is one of the, my favorite contemporaries and friends in the business. Well, why don't you guys just sit and talk about how much you love each other, and I'll just step <laughs> away from the mic. Long time no see, Mike. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I hope you're doing well. I'm on the left side here. Uh, are you Are you on the right side or left side? I'll let you know. He's oh, okay. a, he's sitting with the, the, the Finnish journalist. Is that right? Yes, in the, in the media workroom uh, the rest of the time. And, and Mike, are you with the uh, people from the Czech Republic? No, I'm actually right next to Altitude. I had a really nice talk with uh, Peter McNabb about oh. the uh, column today that Mark Kisla wrote about him. Uh, extraordinary column, uh, extraordinary person, yep. Peter McNabb. And, I, and he and I had a long talk about that. But, uh, hey, if you want to root for a real good guy, a longtime great person in Colorado and in hockey in general, that's Peter McNabb. Well, we had absolutely absolutely conceded. And I also did a major interview with Peter uh, a year ago or early in the season for mile high sports magazine that that really touched a lot of people. And we had, uh, we had Peter on the show last week and we talked about his battle with cancer. I know that uh, kids wrote about that. And what I said to him was the main reason to battle through cancer is for your family and to continue to live a great life. But I said, you know what the cherry on top is? You might just get a Stanley Cup ring out of it as well. So that, that would, would be, be fantastic, sweet. wouldn't yeah. it? And, and Mark wrote about that, how, how sweet it would be. And I think a lot of Avalanche fans should embrace that because Peter McNabb has, I mean, like him or not, as for what he does. He, Everybody, he likes Everybody likes Peter. Is, Nobody likes Terry hockey- and very few people like me. He is a hockey icon. Look at his hockey DB profile. He scored 363 goals in this league. Uh, He's just an incredible hockey presence. That, As Terry knows, we go to avalanche practice over the years, and the one guy you want to get something off from is Peter. You talk to that guy, and he's going to give you his honest opinion, and nine times out of ten, he's dead on. Mike, as you know, the only problem with interviewing Peter about his – glorious career over the years and his background and everything else as he tells his stories off the record you could never get in the newspaper or on the air rather rather colorful words it's those stories that you really cherish because you know yeah you you can't tell that story in print or whatever but uh it makes it fun to be around the beat and, and to just be around the game and i say this yeah. jokingly as much as anything because peter and i talk on the phone 
quite a bit. So I'll call him with a quick question. 30 minutes later, I get in my second one. Yeah. Right? Because because his stories are long, but they're good, and you're kind of hanging on every word. And you really are with him. Let's talk about tonight's game. Uh, You've been around this team all season. You know what they're capable of. Are you cautiously optimistic going into tonight's game, or are you confident? Well, you sound like I'm rooting for someone. I'm no, no. I'm saying as a guy who's been around this team, yeah. you know what they're capable of. You've seen, obviously, both games in person. You watch the playoffs. Do you have, and you know what Tampa's capable of by watching their playoff run. Do yeah. you see this as a, excuse the pun, an avalanche that the Lightning cannot get out from under? Uh, perhaps. I see it both ways. I also see a two-time defending championship team that uh, is coming off a similar situation, the Eastern Conference Finals. Granted, they didn't get waxed 7-0 in Game 2, but they were down 2-0 against the Rangers and rallied to win four straight. So this is a team that, you know, if they lose some games and go down in a series, they're fully capable of clawing back. But this is a different animal. The Avalanche are a different animal. The Avalanche are, uh, it's just a machine right now. It's, it, it's a runaway train, and I'm not sure any team can stop them. Um, if you go back to December, the Avalanche scored seven goals three straight times at Philly, at the Rangers, and then at home against Detroit. And it, it, I looked at the full schedule, including the playoffs, and it just seems like when they put up seven or more goals, they Nine do against it. the Kings. Yeah, yeah they do it kind of in the same time frame. So if, if if they're rolling like this, they tend to continue to roll. So that's why it's hard to pick tonight because I like the Lightning at home, but given the fact that the Avs put up seven last game, I think that they're going to be really good offensively again tonight. You're from Denver. You went to Cherry Creek. I'll slip that in. You went to Cherry Creek. You've been a part of the hockey community virtually since the time you could walk, and I think that's one of your strengths as a writer and covering the team is you're a member of the Colorado hockey community with your, you playing, your son playing. Uh, you have friends, Angelo Ricci, who've been, including Angelo Ricci, who've been instrumental in the development of hockey in Denver. How do you see this team being kind of the cherry on top for the Colorado hockey community? Well, I was learning from you, Terry, back in 2001 and 1996 as well. I was just a young guy chipping in here and there. And again, learning from you. But when I think about 01 and how great that team is, and I look at this team um, in terms of wins and losses in the postseason, uh, this this team is already better. Uh, I think that 01 team. God, I'm not sure. I should have checked this already. I think they lost six or seven games. They lost the seven. The '96 team lost six. Okay, so it took them 23 games to win. So the Avalanche could could win this thing in a lot fewer games. So if, if you stack that up between them, and, and the one team, they had two seven-game series against the Kings and in the final against the Devils. So, you know, the Avs haven't even come close to a game seven yet. Um, so I really like this team as the perhaps the best all-time that I've ever seen in Denver. Um, and I... I I think that's going to happen. I just think that it's the Avalanche's time right now. I think it's their time, and I think that the Tampa Bay's time is over. 
We are talking with Mike Chambers. Of course, he covers the Avalanche for the Denver Post. Has it been I understand that game one went to overtime. I get that. But at the end of the day, they dominated that game. And then we know what happened in game two. Are you surprised it has looked so far this easy? Uh, Yes. I thought Tampa was a lot better in game one, but Colorado clearly dominated. It, it, it reminded me of that, that, that game uh, one against St. Louis where Colorado just dominated but had to win in overtime. Um, I, it, it is, and that goes back to the comparison of the 0-1 team. It wasn't easy in 01. Um, they, again, had two seven-game series. This team, the 2022, it was like easy. Uh, one more thing before we cut you loose, because we know that uh, you probably got to get that medium meal uh, going. Do you know what they're going to be serving? I know when I did the show with Andrew Mason, he was always very concerned about what they served. I heard it's like chicken nuggets or something. Chicken nuggets. I, a, I did not get a voucher. I walked past it, uh, and and now, right. I mean, I don't want to give you too much boring information, but getting to the press box here in Tampa is the worst setup in the league. Yeah, freight elevator. Freight elevator, and you stop at every floor. It's uh, it, it's the worst setup in the league. So to answer your question, no, I'm not going back <laughs> downstairs to get the voucher and go eat chicken right. nuggets. Well, uh, one more thing before we cut you loose. You, yeah. have, you have covered this team for a long time. And what I'm about to say to you, I've said to Kyle Keefe, who's a dear friend of mine, you have suffered a lot, Kyle. You have suffered a lot through some really, really bad teams. You you have been through COVID with this team. And I'm, I'm talking to you as I'm saying what I said to Kyle. You've been through a COVID team. And then you've been through major disappointments. On a personal note, even though you're a journalist, how much selfishly would you love to be part of a cup winner as a beat guy where you're there every stinking day and on the road as well? Hmm. That's an interesting question because all I see in front of me is work, 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 stress, stress, stress. So I think the answer to that is, yeah, I I think that I would enjoy that and look, back at it fondly all the trips and and all the deadlines and all the stories but right now eric all i can see is just a, a ton of work and as terry knows it's it's uh it's not easy you know now with twitter and all that right stuff it, it, it's it's uh it's a different world than when it in in 2001 i would go back to that day any day and but uh yeah it, it's it's fun. I'm having a good time. Terry, I'll, I'll, I'll throw in another yeah. component to that answer, Eric, and I think Michael will agree with this. As a journalist, you try to remain, uh, you try to remain objective, sure. and you are objective. But the natural human impulse is that you root for people you like. Right. So when I root for teams or I root for people that I'm around, I'm rooting for the people. I'm not yeah. rooting for the team. I'm not part of, a, of the rabble. I'm not part... Uh, I, and, you know, the good fans understand journalistic responsibility, too, and understand what you have to do and what your role is. And, Mike, uh, be sure to have your running story in, please, by 11 seconds after the game ends. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and that's the stuff that's hard, and that kind of takes away from, you know, what if and what, you know, how you look upon it. But you say that about rooting for guys, 
I am rooting for Eric Johnson. Yeah, uh, well, he, he is he is the senior member of this team. He's gone through the most. He's gone through hell, hecking back through the last couple of years with injuries. I'm rooting for Eric Johnson. And you know what? It's funny because I've I've said this to Terry and I've said this to other people. I think that if the Avs win the cup, it's going to be a handoff. It's going to go from Landeskog straight to Eric Johnson. Now I want to go back to I want to go back to something that we just talked about. How Terry took you under his wing when you were a young reporter. Okay, but I also yep. want to bring my own personal experience into this. I just might got, leave some of the things out, will you? <laughs> I, I just got married on Saturday, and I said to Mandy earlier in the week, this is going to go by so fast. Let's try and slow this down in our own heads so we can find a way to enjoy this, if possible, because it's going to go so fast. With that, Terry, you covered two cup teams. Did you ever allow yourself to somehow pause and slow things down to enjoy it and if not, what kind of advice would you give to Mike, whether you did or did not slow well, it down? Well, well Mike's, Mike was part of both covering both those 96 and 2001 championships. So he has an inkling of what it would be like and the personal, the personal emotions that will be involved in. And I can't I won't answer that for Mike. But I know that's the, that's still the way I feel as you root for the people you work for, you work with and cover. And I admit being in the 96 locker room in the Miami arena and the 2001 locker room in the Pepsi Center was a fun, emotional time to see to see how happy everybody was and to see the, their work come to fruition. That part, I did step back a little bit. I even talked to Stan Kroenke in the locker room in 2001. But it's a different time. It's a different era, and I'm not sure. It's a lot harder to do that now. And as Mike says, the, the instant gratification principle of journalism now is so pronounced that it, sometimes you can't step back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and ditto, ditto. It, it was more fun back then, but we're still doing it. And uh, that's what we know. That's what we do. I do have a little side note about 01 and now. Uh, I remember a young Cal, Callan. He was, he was called Callan <laughs> at the time. Cal, Callan Foot was two and a half, three years old. And I remember I was interviewing Adam Foot after Game 7 of that Cup Series. And Callan walks up and Adam greets him, gives him this big, huge hug. It's one of the most memorable things I remember from that night. And guess who is hopefully playing here tonight right. for, for the Lightning is Cal Foot. I'm not sure if he's in the lineup or not, but uh, I should. I sure hope so. Well, yeah, they they stopped they stopped playing seven defensemen at one point in the in their playoff run. If they go back to playing seven defensemen, or somebody is under the weather or is hurt, he'll be in the lineup. Well, uh, it's unfortunate because he played in the first thirteen postseason games, and then they switched it up after they lost two straight against the Rangers. So, I'm hoping that Cal Foot gets in this series at some point. Yeah, one one thing before we cut you loose. All right, I know things are going real fast for you, Mike. I don't know if anybody outside of maybe Moj or Peter McNabb have been around this team as much as you. Is that probably fair to say in terms of the media? Well, Terry's got me beat for sure. Again, he's uh, he taught me everything. No, I no, know. no, no. I'm talking about this year's team only. This year's oh, team. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is my this is my suggestion to you. After the game tonight, start thinking about a book deal because if they win, you're going to be the one who should write it. So start getting on that now if they win two more games. 
Well, I have yet to publish a book, but I know if I do, the first person I'm yep. going to lean on is Terry Fry, who's written a bunch of them. Well, well, then, then, then I, well, Terry and I do have something in common, which are books. He writes them, and I color them. Mike, thanks for your time, pal. Thanks, Mike. See you in a little bit. It's my pleasure, fellas. Thanks Thank for you. the kind words and back at you. Well. Mike, you, Mike Chambers, Denver Post, Avalanche beat writer. Check him out for tomorrow morning's article. Coming up after the break, who is going to win tonight? We'll give our predictions next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back, Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry, watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At T. Fry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale arm of the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Low T99. Testosterone treatment made easy and affordable. For just $129 per month, they'll send you testosterone, supplies, and the price includes lab work. Go to LowT99.com. Okay, so uh, game three between the Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning gets going in about a half hour. Uh, following game two, Tampa head coach John Cooper, and maybe I misread his quote, or maybe I misheard his quote. To me, he, sounded, it's, he suggested to me that it was more about his team being outplayed than something schematically that they needed to do differently. Is it just being outplayed, or do they need to do something different schematically? Uh, mostly they were just outplayed, and I think John Cooper acknowledged that, uh, and I think those who got excited over what he said were getting carried away. He, the, the other side gives scholarships, too. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you just lose, and I think that was his case here. It was an ugly, ugly, ugly game, but it only counted for one loss, and I think the uh, Lightning certainly are counting, up, counting on the advantage of being home with the crowd, with the last change and everything else. And I think they will get back into the series tonight. Uh, all right, make your pick tonight. Uh, Vasilevsky plays this much stronger game. Semi steals it, and it's the uh, Lightning 4-2 with an empty net goal. I got to tell you something. I've only picked against the Avalanche once this entire season. And it happened to be an entire series. I said that I thought the Lightning were going to wind up winning this series. I'm just not picking against them. I think that Tampa will come out hot. I think they're going to probably go up a couple of goals, and even if they don't, I think eventually the Avs will chip, chip, chip away, and I don't know if Tampa can't compete with the Avalanche for 60 minutes. 40-minute game, yes. 20-minute game, yes. But eventually, like a drop of water going onto a piece of wood, first couple of times you look at it and say, ah, nothing's going to happen. But after a while, that wood's going to break. I think the Avalanche. I think the uh, Lightning will win tonight, and I think the Avalanche still win the series in seven games. You think it's going to go to seven? So yeah, you, I do. You, so you think Tim, now? So you think Tampa's going to win two at home? Yes, I think it's going to be two. To, I think going into this series, my feeling was it would be two to two after four games, regardless 
of how they fell. But it, the home, if the home ice holds, that's uh, that will be uh, that'll be the, the formula that I was relying on. Terry, that's the perfect pick, and I think Danny would agree. Because after the Avs went up two nothing against the Oilers, you said there's no way they're going to win two games in Edmonton <laughs> and probably not even one. I, I, I love I your pick. I, I absolutely uh, believe that when I said it at the time. I know you did. What do we have coming up on just in case you missed that? I love Terry sticking to his guns. You know, he's he's got a system and he's going to stick to it. And it's a system that has worked very well for Avalanche fans. It's work, It used to work for Mace, too. And Mace used to pick the opposite. And he of was, what he wanted, and, and he it was, worked. and you no, he was consistently wrong too. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll be the first one to say I thought Tampa was going to win this series. I really did, but now I do believe that I don't think they can. I don't think that Tampa can keep up for sixty full minutes. I don't, and Tampa might win, but there are going to be moments in this game where the Avalanche. Here, here's another way to put it, Terry. I don't think the shots on goal are going to be lopsided. They might. They might have 25 shots on goal and score four goals, but I think the Avs are going to keep piling up shots. And they're going to have more opportunities. Yeah, it could be. Okay, what do we have coming up on just in case you missed it? Coming up next, we've got NBA free agency coming up soon. Some big names may hit the market. And we'll also talk about uh, the other team that's still in action here in the hometown. They had a pretty good weekend against the Padres. That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman and Fry. Watch us at milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman, if you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Terry has taken off for the game, so Danny and I are going to man the show for the final segment. A quick note about tonight's game. Andre Burakovsky is not on the ice right now for warm-ups. It looks like Nicholas uh, Abe Kubel is going to be playing in his place tonight. Some more news on the game tonight. Alex just informed me that Braden Point has been reported out by right. multiple outlets, so yeah. no point either. Yeah, well, that, I'm glad you got right to the point on that story because we had... Was that necessary? I thought so. Just do whatever you got to do, Danny. Just play some intro something. To... The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino and Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, a good weekend for the Rockies after being swept at home by the Guardians. They turned around and swept the Padres 
at Coors Field. 10-4, 5-4, and 8-3. Freeland, Colome, and Senzatella getting the wins. Some home runs from Kron. Some uh, some home runs from Grishik. Did you learn anything about the Rockies after that series, or are you seeing it as somewhat of an outlier? I learned that they can play well against the Dodgers for one series. I've learned well. I've learned they can play really well against the Padres for a series. I've learned they can play really well for a series against the Giants. Um, but still, they are seven games under 500. But it is encouraging that they are beating teams that you can make the case they should be losing to. San Diego is one of the top teams in the in the National League right now. San Francisco, they're nine games over 500, and we know what the Dodgers are. So when they play really good baseball, they can compete with anybody. However, they haven't been consistent enough, and that's why they're under 500, and that's why they're in last place. What do you think? Yeah, that's one of the things that we talk about a lot uh, with any sport, but we talk about it especially with the Nuggets and Jamal Murray because the consistency is something that makes the difference between a playoff team and a championship team. Right. So this Rockies team competes with the best of them, but just not on a consistent basis. Can. Can. I mean, there, there's so many flaws on their roster that, yeah, if you put it all together, you're going you're gonna to string together some wins. I get that. But, but I just don't think they have the horses – to, to even get them to, I don't know, 82 wins. I just don't. I don't know if there's enough talent there consistently. Just in case you missed it, according to CBS Sports, the Lakers and Knicks are interested in Kyrie Irving as contract talks with the Nets have stalled for him. Uh, would you have any interest in Kyrie Irving joining the Nuggets if he uh, uses his player option to become a free agent in July? Well, you'd have to pay him. And that's the problem. And they, they're willing to pay into the luxury tax, but they're not going to do that with Kyrie Irving. Personally, I'm not a Kyrie Irving fan. I think he's an absolute knucklehead. Um, I don't like what he said when he was in Cleveland when he won a title. He kind of dissed LeBron James. Um, the, the way he handled COVID, and he hurt his team tremendously. He was more about him instead of playing... At the end of the day, you have a right not to get vaccinated. You do, but it's a team game. And if the goal is to win a championship, then you might have to make a sacrifice. But in the world of guaranteed contracts, you don't. He did acknowledge that a little bit after the season that he had been a distraction and yeah. had taken away from the team. But hindsight is twenty twenty, and you would have liked him to maybe recognize some of that before he made the decision. Um, I'm, I was kind of surprised that the Lakers are reportedly interested because, like you said, him and LeBron kind of butt heads towards the end there in Cleveland. Would you think that maybe they've grown past that? Or is L.A. just out there because it's a fun rumor to talk about? I think that if LeBron James felt that Kyrie Irving has grown up and he can help him win a title, he'll take him on the team. I'll tell you the guy that I want. I don't know if the Nuggets would be able to afford him. Uh, P.J. Tucker is going to opt out of his $7.4 million player option. That's a guy I would like on this roster. He fills a big need in terms of playing defense. Um, you know, he, you know, he's been part of several championship contending teams, um, or he, 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 a lot of championship contending teams are going to go after him. He was a key part of the Bucks' title run because of his defense. He is a piece you would like to have, but how much more money does he want? 
Could the Nuggets afford $10 million a year for this guy? I'm sure they could. Is he going to want $15, $20 million? I don't know. We'll see. But he's a, he's a piece I have liked for years because of his defense. And now he's available. Yeah, I've been a big uh, P.J. Tucker fan for a while as well. I'm, I know that you've talked about him on this show many times because that's the kind of player the Nuggets yep. definitely need. Uh, someone who's stellar on defense but can also give you a little bit on offense as well. And, yeah, if they can if they can get into that bidding war and not have to pay an obscene amount, I think that he would be a great addition here. And maybe yeah. maybe they get a couple of PJs, and PJ Dozier ends up back here as well coming off of his ACL tear. I'm good with two, two PJs. I'm more than fine with two PJs. Yeah. One, one pair one night, one pair the next. You're never sleeping in the same PJs. No, I keep, would play the crickets, but we no, we had music no, going, no, so it no, no, been... no, give yourself a rim shot. Go ahead. Thank you. Now let's move on. All right, on from pajamas. Uh, yesterday was Father's what about PB and J. PB and J. I'm yeah. a big fan of PB and J. I bet you are. Yeah, you can have. I'm one... a child. When they said chicken nuggets in the right for the press meal, I was very jealous. The first thing you Love thought chicken nuggets. The first thing you thought of was what's the dipping sauce. That is exactly what I said to Alex. Yep. Did you? I did. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Just in case you missed it, yesterday was Father's Day. Eric, Eric, happy Father's Day to you. Thank you. Uh, I'm not a father, but I did wish my own father a happy Father's Day. Do you have a favorite story about your dad or one about being a dad that you want to share with us uh, here on the air? I'll share a story about my father. How we took a road trip. We lived in Chicago. A couple of things. One, every year he would take me to a Notre Dame football game which was totally cool. We grew up in Chicago, so it was about maybe a 90-minute drive to go see the Irish play. And then um, one year, we did a double dip. We drove to Canton, Ohio, to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and then drove back to go see Notre Dame. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, one reason why that i become such a sports fan is because of my father. We would sit in front of the TV about six hours every single Sunday watching the Bears play, and he was a Packers fan, so we would sit in front watching the Bears, really bad Bears teams, by the way, with the sound off, and then we would have the Packers broadcast on on WTMJ out of Milwaukee, so we'd watch a bad Bears team and listen to a bad Packers team, and this is not an exaggeration, so this is back in the 70s and 80s. And then the afternoon game, always seemed to be this way, was John Elway and the Denver Broncos. And that's how I was able to watch the Broncos. And when I moved here, I knew really well of two Broncos players. Not Shannon Sharp, not Rod Smith. I mean, I knew of, right? But the two guys I knew moving here to Denver, and I knew guys, but I'm saying the guys I knew, Elway, Carl Mecklenburg. Those are the guys that I knew. And I remember when I met Carl, I told him the same thing. And a lot of that has to do because of my father. With that, Alex, Danny, great job today. Terry's off. Covering the game, he will talk at us tomorrow about his thoughts about Game 3. Make the best possible night you can.